You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. say it better than John the Baptist. He must increase and I must decrease. His desires will become our desires and his will will become our will. When we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, our prayer life is transformed and we pray with a heart and a vision of a righteous man. James said that in 5.16. We don't pray as ourselves. We pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is under control, we are the same mind of God. The transformation that takes place in the heart and life of a Holy Spirit-filled believer is amazing. It's truly supernatural. As Pastor Dave explains in today's message, when you yield yourself to God and empty your heart of its ambitions, He'll come in and lead you in ways that are better than you could ever imagine. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 19 as he continues his message, Purpose in the Spirit. When I was at Vineland, I was able to be in ministry in so many different ways. I did so many different things. And as I was doing something, I would be, for example, I remember I was in the tape ministry. And my job back then when they had tapes, cassettes, We would make cassettes for everybody and write things down. That's what I did. After the service, I went back to a room and I made cassette tapes for people. And I would be back there and I would miss all the time of fellowship. Sometimes I would be grumbling because I missed the fellowship and stuff like that. But this is what the Lord had me to do. And I did it faithfully. And one day I remember praying, Lord, if it be your will, I'd like to try something else. I'd like to do some other sort of ministry. I feel you're putting in my heart to, to let that go. A couple Sundays went by and I was back there working all of a sudden... There's a knock on the door. I looked up, and there was a guy standing there and said, I think I want to be in the tape ministry. I said, Lord, you're incredible. So that person took over. And then I moved on to some other ministry. I got to be on the worship team for a while. And when that ended, I did this. I did that. But the Spirit would move me throughout. And when the time or the season was over, I would move on. And that's what the Lord was doing here with Paul. See, I realized at an early, early time in my ministry life that any ministry that I would have, any ministry that the Lord chose to give me was not mine. Unlike the toddler, it wasn't mine. Because any ministry that I would have, including this ministry that I stand before you today, belongs to him. It's his ministry. He's just allowing me to do this. He just says, Dave, I want you to do this. And I'll do it for as long as he has me here. But see, it's his ministry. And I can't grasp hold of and think that it's mine and you can't have it. It's mine and you can't be a part of it. It's not my ministry. It's the Lord's ministry. And he's doing the work. I must submit to him. He leads me and he guides me. I must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and be willing to submit to his plan, not my plan. I must never let myself enter the picture because guess what I've learned in all these years? It's not about me. So how did Paul know it was time to leave? How did Paul know that the Lord was leading him out? Well, the scripture says he purposed in the spirit. 
He purposed in the Spirit. And the verb purpose here means to intend, to design, to resolve, to determine on some end or object to be accomplished. Paul purposed in his Spirit. See, Paul lived the life with one purpose and one purpose only, to serve and glorify Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's life was living to do. And he wanted to accomplish anything that the Lord wanted him to do. Paul's purpose was to spread the gospel because he'd been told this and commanded this by Jesus Christ, that he was going to spread the gospel. This was the object that had to be accomplished. This was what Paul purposed. Remember, we read in Acts 9, verses 15 and 16, how the Lord called Paul and gave him this purpose. And when we get to Acts 22 and 26, sometime in the next four or five years, more examples of what the Lord had told them, more example that the Lord telling Paul of things he's going to do, he told him this when he met him on Damascus Road. Paul had purpose. Paul had direction, and Paul had guidance. His purpose came from Jesus Christ, and his direction and guidance came from the Holy Spirit. Paul was yielded to the Holy Spirit. Paul was yielded to what the Lord wanted to do. Paul purpose in the Spirit. Now, many people believe that Paul just decided to go to Jerusalem. In fact, the NIV uses that very word. Paul decided to go to Jerusalem. They get this because the word in means in his own spirit. Well, you know what? I'll give them half of that. It could be. It could be exactly what happened. But see, I believe Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe Paul fought the idea up, I want to go to Jerusalem, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit then confirmed it and said, yes, this is what you're going to do. See, Paul was not motivated by selfish gain. Paul was not motivated by selfish ambition. Paul was not even motivated by self-preservation. Because if you look ahead at Acts 21, verse 13, Paul is answering someone. In fact, he's answering the prophet Abigus who says, anybody who goes with this belt is going to be hound and bound in Jerusalem. Paul says back to them, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Self-preservation didn't even motivate Paul. What was Paul motivated from or by? The love of Jesus Christ. It was the love of Jesus Christ that motivated him. And that's what should be our motivation. What accomplished in our lives, what happened in our lives, that regeneration, when we believed in the Lord Jesus, when we believed in his name for salvation, something happened in our lives. Our lives were changed in an instant. Our lives became new. We became born again. We became brand new creatures. And we became indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And being indwelt with the Holy Spirit, then the Lord puts it upon our hearts, and we need to sense and move forward with purpose. We can't limit the Lord. We can't say that it can't be done. If we ever said that, we wouldn't be sitting here now. If we said it can't be done, we wouldn't be sitting in this building If we limit the Lord, we're going to miss out on some really, really great things. He wants to do some mighty things. What has the Lord purposed in your heart? What has the Lord purposed in your heart? What's the Holy Spirit telling you that you might want to do? Sure, it might start like it might be you think it's your idea. But what does he want to accomplish? Do you know what he wants to accomplish? Maybe you don't, and that's okay. Submit to him. Allow the Spirit to guide you. Pray and ask. And then listen to the still small voice. Listen for his guidance, for he will direct you. The psalmist knew this in Psalm 25, verse 4. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. 
The Lord will show you. The Lord will guide you. And so what if you step out out in faith and the Lord puts something in front of you and you don't go that way? Have you failed? No. You haven't failed. You've stepped out in faith. That's what these guys were doing. Paul said, we're going to go to Asia. Maybe we won't. How about Bithynia? Maybe we won't. You know, and then all of a sudden, the man from Macedonia, he has a vision. Oh, well, let's go down there. The Spirit will guide you. The Lord will lead you. You know, although Paul purposed to go to Jerusalem, his main goal, his main goal was to minister in Rome. That's where he really, really wanted to go. That's what he wanted to do. We're going to find out later that it was the Holy Spirit's plan as well. Paul's will became the Lord's will. They became one. The Lord's will and Paul's will became one. When we pray, we ask that the Lord's will would be done in our lives. And even if you pray the Lord's prayer, you're praying, not my will, but thy will be done. You're praying that. That's the prayer. And prayer is nothing more than getting your wants and his wants combined. That's what's happening here. When we're totally submitted to Jesus Christ and we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you know, sometimes it's hard to distinguish what is our will and what is the will of the Lord because they're united. They're one. They're there. There's great harmony between our desires and God's desires. His will becomes our will and we gladly obey. And we move out and we walk out. According to the apostle in verse 21, he wanted to go to Jerusalem and then on to Rome. And when he writes his letter to the Romans, he even mentions the desire to possibly go to Spain. And he expands on this statement or purpose in Romans 15, 20 to 25. He writes this, And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he has not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire to see many many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while, but now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. So Paul wants to go to Rome. The apostle never built on somebody else's foundation. He always went where there was new territory, open ground, fertile ground. He preferred to minister on a one-on-one. That was his goal, just like Jesus. Jesus preferred to minister on the one-on-one. But Paul knew, and he wrote these letters to all the churches, and they now become our doctrine. They become our theology, and they become our practice. And staying true to his purpose, Paul's going to reach Jerusalem, and he's going to reach Rome. Because Paul's going to stay true to the purpose that the Lord has him. And as we continue our study in the book of Acts, and in the weeks to come, we're going to see that Paul's journey to Jerusalem and then his journey to Rome become the main focus of this narrative. In fact, they encompass the last one-third of the entire book of Acts. And we'll sit there and we'll read and we'll glean from that. But before he goes, he sends out Timothy and Erastus to Macedonia. I guess... They're like ambassadors, and they're going to go before Paul, but they have a purpose. Look at verse 22. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a while. Now, it was great. At men's breakfast yesterday, we talked about Joshua. 
Joshua, specifically Joshua Joshua in chapter 1. And one of the things we said in Joshua, that before he became a leader, Joshua was a servant, and he was a minister. Minister means servant. Joshua served Moses for over 40 years. That was what Joshua did. Joshua served Moses before he became leader of of the entire uh, children of Israel. He served Moses. He ministered to Moses' need. He wasn't number two because that was Aaron's position. Joshua was number three. He was very, very happy at being number three. He led the armies against the Amalekites and won a great battle. He was always there. He even went up on the mountaintop with Moses and talked to God with Moses. But Joshua's main job was to minister Minister, serve Moses. That's what he did. And God rewarded him by making him the leader now of the children of Israel. And the conquest of the land was his. And he would lead Israel into conquesting the land of Canaan. Here you have two people, Timothy and Erastus, who ministered to the apostle Paul, who served him, and then he then makes them, because of their faithfulness in serving him, he then sends them out because they're faithful in the small things, and he sends them out to be faithful in the big things. Jesus himself said, I've come to serve, not to be served. See, the word minister in Greek means servant. Jesus gave us the greatest example of servanthood ever. The greatest example ever in John 13. And after the dinner, after the supper, he gathered his robes around him and he took a basin of water and he went and he washed the feet of each disciple. Washed their feet. And we said that in that culture, when you went into somebody's house, naturally you wore sandals or maybe no shoes at all and your feet were dirty because they didn't have paved roads. All they had was dirt roads and your feet were crusty and dirty and nasty. And when you came into somebody's house, the first thing that happened was they would summon a servant And that servant's job was to wash your feet so you could walk throughout the house without tracking all this stuff in there. The person who washed the feet was the lowest of low servants. That was the job nobody wanted. That was the lowest of low jobs. And Jesus did that as an example. And he told them, you see me doing this? Now you do this one to another. You serve one another. We serve each other. And as we're serving each other, we're serving the Lord because we're doing it as unto the Lord. We're serving each other. And that's what's happening here. Timothy and Erastus served Paul and they served him mightily. And Paul says, okay, you're faithful. Go out now. Many, many people think, in fact, there are scriptures here. I didn't tag them all, but you can read in scriptures that Timothy and Erastus were sent to these other churches and they picked up money that they had collected to give to Paul, and Paul took the money to Jerusalem and gave it to the Jerusalem church. So Timothy and Erastus had a major purpose in going to the Macedonia, and that's to collect money. But Paul stays a little while longer in Ephesus, and we're going to continue next week as we see that he's persecuted yet again and by this mob that is used by Satan to thwart the harvest. But we can learn so much from the apostle Paul. He knew what he was called to do. God had called him to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles all across the Gentile world. This would prevent him from being a lifelong pastor. Paul knew this. But it would keep him on the road in places where he could share the gospel. Each of us, I believe, has a calling from God. And we need to explore what that calling is. I don't know what it is for you. I can't tell what it is for you. Only you and God can figure out what that is. But when God calls us, 
Let us do what he's asked us to do. Our sense of spirit-inspired purpose helps to fulfill our daily activities. Let's purpose in the spirit. Let's purpose in the spirit what's going to do. And when we purpose in the spirit, we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We plan our way, but the Lord directs our steps. Hmm, where have I heard that before? Hmm, how about Proverbs 16.9? A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. How about Proverbs 19.21? There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So just like Paul, purposing your heart is a good thing. Purposing in your heart is a good thing. Even to become a minister or a bishop, it's the Paul says to Timothy, it's a good desire. It's a good want. Purpose in your heart, and then you go towards that purpose and do those things. So how do we know if our purpose is God's purpose? How do we know? We must yield to the Holy Spirit. We must yield to the Holy Spirit and the control that he has over our lives through prayer, through reading the word of God, and listening to that still small voice. When we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, our whole thought life, our imagination, our volitional choices, our behavior will be occupied with one thing and one thing only, and that's Jesus Christ. When we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we will go deeper and deeper into the understanding of the ways of God. That will be what we want to do. See, our communion with Christ gets deeper and deeper every day. And when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that's what we want. That's the desire of our heart. And God gives us that desire. He gives us that desire and fills us. Who could say it better than John the Baptist? He must increase and I must decrease. His desires will become our desires and his will will become our will. When we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, our prayer life is transformed and we pray with a heart and a vision of a righteous man. James said that in 5.16. We don't pray as ourselves. We pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is under control, we are the same mind of God. And we're humble before man and God. You can read that in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 8. When we're filled with the Spirit, we have the mind and thus the attitude of Christ. You can read that in Philippians 2, 5. We produce his likeness. You can read that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. When we're under the influence of God's presence, the Holy Spirit, nothing really matters except Christ and him glorified, him glorified in our lives. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit and therefore under his control, we live a holy life. We live a life that is holy and acceptable to God. Being born again means we've been given all of the Spirit, and I have to ask the question, does He, the Spirit, have all of you? Ask yourself, am I yielded to Him? Am I constantly being filled? Have I asked? I mean, this is Paul's command in Ephesians 5.18. Be ye being filled, he says. This becomes a blessed habit. It becomes a blessed. When we submit our lives to the Lord, He leads and guides us by His Holy Spirit, and then we're ever sensitive to the Spirit's call. I can't do this on my own. I need his guidance. I can't live the Christian life by myself. I've tried. I can't live it by myself. I'm going to fall on my nose and scrape my nose. But he will guide us. He will lead us into all truth. He will guide us. So many times our lives have been changed by God, and I'm so glad. We decided that we're going to do something, and God takes and throws this monkey wrench in there. And we wonder why it doesn't happen. It's called an interruption, by the way. It's called an interruption in your life that God throws there. And it's there for a reason. Maybe it's trying to stop you from doing something that he knows is going to be detrimental to your health or detrimental to your body or he knows that you shouldn't be doing. So he throws this monkey wrench, this interruption in your life. 
There's an old saying. I have to read it because I can't memorize it. There's an old saying that says, quote, the man who is expecting to be disturbed is the man who is never disturbed when disturbance comes. When you're in God's will and you're going about God's way and a disturbance comes, if you expect that disturbance, you're not disturbed by it. You're not bothered by it because you know it's something that maybe the Lord's leading you some way. We don't know how the, how the Holy Spirit told Paul not to go into Asia that time. We don't know how the Holy Spirit said, don't go in Bithynia. It was it some huge sign as I got up there said, Paul, don't go this way. Well, I don't know. Did Paul purpose it in his heart? Did he get sick as many believe? I mean, we don't know how he was told not to go there. If you're open to God and you think, well, Lord, I'm going to head down this path because I purpose in my heart that I'm heading down this path and your spirit has kind of confirmed this to me and I'm going to head it down this path. And you know what? Anytime you want to stop me, you just go ahead and stop me. Anytime you want to guide me to the right or guide me to the left, you just go ahead and do it. And then we'll see how that happens. You know what? want to know what that looks like? Frank can tell you what that looks like. It looks like this building. It's exactly what it looks like. You want us to be in that building, Lord? Open some doors. Oh, look, open door. You want us to do this, Lord? Open a door. Oh, look, another open door. You want us to do this? Boom, close door. Not going to do that. That's how it looks. That's how it works. We're following the guide of the Holy Spirit. He's the one in charge. He's the one doing these things. And when we get disturbed, when we have a little disturbance, when the, when the township says, oh, you got to jump through this hoop, okay, Lord, we'll jump through a hoop. Oh, you got to do that? Okay, we'll do that. Okay, we'll do that. When we get these little disturbances, we don't become disturbed. My flesh gets disturbed and rears its ugly head. Then I can remind it that the Spirit is in control. The Spirit has taken care of everything, and He's going to get His way, and He's going to do it. So it doesn't disturb me, and my life becomes a step as I am committed to the Lord. So we say in our heart, we want to do something, and then God directs our steps. And he leads it. You know what? I want it this way. I don't want to do my own will. I don't want to fulfill my own purpose. I want God to stop me whenever I'm getting out of line or doing something that isn't for him or directed from him. I want to be interrupted by him. I want God to disturb me when I'm out of line and doing the wrong thing. I want him to direct my steps. And I want my purpose to be his purpose. And quite frankly, I'm tired of having things my own way. That Burger King sandwich just doesn't taste like it used to, you know? I'm tired of having things my way. I've been there. I've done that. I got the T-shirt. I got bruises. I got scars. I got painful memories. I got all the things that happens when you do things your way. And you do too. And you can think of them. Now, I've had it God's way and have been most miserable most of the time. I mean, I've had it my way and I've been most miserable most of the time. But when you have it God's way, there is joy unspeakable. There's joy in your heart because you know God is leading you and you're following and you're doing what he wants you to do. And, and, and your heart is soaring because of the purpose that he's given you. Let me leave you with one small quick question. I want God's way. Don't you? you are The stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus himself. 
Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life changed hearts and saved countless people, and continues on even today through the writings and Acts and the rest of the New Testament. However, the lives you were studying weren't without trial. Each disciple of Jesus faced persecution in some form, yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith. What difficulties are you facing for Jesus now? Don't lose heart. Remember that you're sharing the truth and that the truth can set people free. You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Shank. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel, Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. Rescue.